You are listening to Girls and Gears with Danielle Musto on Mountain Bike Radio. This is Ben Welnack, the creator of Mountain Bike Radio. I'm cutting in before the episode just to give you a little inside scoop behind all the intro music that you've been hearing over the last month and in this episode. So the artist, it's a band called Shaky Graves. Why is this important? Well, it's important because they're headlining at the Grand Junction Off-Road, which is in Grand Junction, Colorado, on May 29th to the 31st. The Grand Junction Off-Road is put on by Epic Rides. You can find out more information about them at epicrides.com. The Off-Road features trails in the world-class Lunch Loops trail system and offers three different race lengths, a 15, 30, and 40-mile option. All those races start and finish on Main Street during the Grand Junction Music and Art Festival. So, if you're considering signing up, if you register by Thursday, April 30th, you can save $10. I'd like to give a special shout out to Epic Rides for supporting Mountain Bike Radio for the months of April and May. It truly does help keep Mountain Bike Radio going. So with their support and you, the listener, we're able to keep this going, improving, and do what we need to do to make it something really cool. So if you appreciate Epic Rides' support, head over to epicrides.com to find out more information about all their other events and the Grand as well. Also, if you appreciate their support, send an email to info at epicrides.com. Just say, hey, thanks for supporting Mountain Bike Radio, and we would appreciate it. They would appreciate it. It goes a long way. So thank you very much for that. All right, on to the show with host Danielle Musto and her guest, Andrea Cohen. But first, I'm going to share a five-minute clip of a bonus 25-minute interview that I did with Andrea about her Trans-Iowa thoughts. She's a four-time racer, and she has some interesting thoughts, especially from the women's perspective and a a newbie perspective. So I share a five-minute clip right now, and the rest of the 25-minute interview I share with the Mountain Bike Radio members in the Mountain Bike Radio member inner circle. If you'd like to listen to the rest of that interview or you're wondering what the members are or what the inner circle is, you can head over to mountainbikeradio.com slash membership to find out more information. So if you have any questions, feel free to send me an email. It's ben at mountainbikeradio.com and enjoy the show. Yeah, I was just hey, you're done. Here's a bag of potato chips. Uh, go sit in the sun. My and then my dad came and picked me up, and he asked me, he's like, "Are you tired?" I said, "No." <laughs> I got in his car, and the next thing I did was fall asleep. <laughs> you got the last laugh on that. So with uh, <laughs> with with doing that, was it something that you had in your head, knowing that you could finish? Or was it something like, you know what, I'm going to go do this, and if I finish, I'm going to be, were you at all surprised 
or was it uh did you just expect to do it um i was for that year since the year before i hadn't made it to the second checkpoint that was my goal and i made it and having that other person to ride with um made that goal you know she, that was her goal that was her reality so it kind of made my reality hers also so it, that helps a lot because in in my mind i was still going into it pretty uh, you know, naive and like unassuming as far as what I could do mm-hmm. and latching onto that person. And, you know, we talk about the family and the culture behind a lot of these events and different types of cycling. And that is a huge thing. It's, and it's very real. So that helps me yeah, now even yeah. know that it's something I am going to keep trying to accomplish. And I have the idea in my head now that that is my reality is finishing. So that changed a lot for me with the riding. Every year, you know, every race things change, but that was a huge, huge part of it. Yeah, and ha- was the Trans Iowa? I mean, those first two years of Trans Iowa, that really, it seems like it really changed your mind. Like you said, changed your mindset and kind of changed a lot of things for you to have the. I don't know. Did it give you the confidence to go out and basically do any other event? Yeah. Okay. Definitely, and it's something where I met. Uh, a lot of people and I met you know people have been <laughs> who have been riding for as long as I've been alive who definitely gave me a lot of advice and showed me a lot of events and enablers uh, yeah enablers <laughs> <laughs> everywhere yes exactly so was there one person in particular or was it anything that stuck out in your mind or was it more of like kind of everybody sending you you know here's this race check this one out or was there any particular moment that you like you know what? This is this is really cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna go after a bunch of these. Yeah, I think I'm. I want to go after it, and I'm really drawn to. You know, the hundred miles is something where I get to push myself a little further, but the three hundred is something where you push your brain a little further and grows grow that connection with yourself, but with everyone else too. So, mm-hmm. like, um, we could maybe talk about like the third year of yeah, trans and that's that's what I was going to ask is okay so now you've done the two year first two years uh, first one didn't work out second one mm-hmm. okay now you're now you're feeling all good so going into yeah. the third year did you did you change things up quite a bit from that second year or did you just say hey that worked for me now I'm going to just tweak a few things and and what happened yeah that is I was on a different bike again which I didn't particularly like the bike, but I had the same setup with gear, so I knew what gear worked and I knew what worked for me. And then um, the third year was the year where I, it was extremely windy and I rode with people the whole time, and the person I rode with was uh, Jeremy Kershaw, who organized this Heck of the North. And he was someone, I had ridden his race before, I'd met him before, but it just kind of deepen the connection with everyone around me because he's someone who's kind of a figure with gravel racing he and he's also this he's you know done a lot of the ultra winter arrowheads and things like that so his the way that he rides is i learned a lot from him it was almost just a very quiet calm ride together for until we we quit after the second checkpoint together and my mom picked us up together but kind of that whole I think we rode for over 12 hours. We rode together for a pretty long time. and The wind was just too much. 
The wind was so much, and that was part of the reason why we were so silent, was because no one could hear anything. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Girls and Gears. I'm Danielle Mosto. With me today is Andrea Cohen, my newest Salsa Cycles teammate. She's a gravel grinder extraordinaire, and we are going to be talking about some of the races that she's done. I know she just got back from um, racing the Trans-Iowa, and we're also going to be covering the Dirty Kanza. Um, This will be my first year racing the Dirty Kanza. I'm terrified about it. I was up all night with nightmares about it, so I'm going to learn all of her secrets. Andrea, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, of course. So do you race mostly gravel? Is that like your thing? Yeah, that's what I that's what I started with. I suppose I I started as a commuter in Iowa City, and then I slowly uh, crept into the cycling scene, and then kind of moved back out of it, back onto the gravel roads, which we have a lot of in Iowa, so it's it's easy to find. So that is my main um, discipline, I guess. But I'm getting into the mountain biking, which is what you do. So it's kind of we can help each other. <laughs> awesome. And have you lived in Iowa your entire life? I have. Yeah, I grew up in, in Iowa, and I moved to Iowa City for school, and I really like it here. So if I'm going to be in Iowa, it'll be in Iowa City, but I'm here for now. Okay, and what are you doing there currently? Because I know for a while, I think I saw that you were a bus driver, correct? Yeah, I was. Um, so okay. I came here for school. I did that, and I... Uh, graduated three years ago, probably. I bounced around. Um, I delivered Jimmy John's actually by bicycle for about a year, and that <laughs> built up. I think I think that built up my base miles. Um, and then I switched to bus driving, and now I just work at World of Bikes in Iowa City. Okay, and what do you do there? I am in charge of selling bikes, but also um, a lot of ladies stuff. I'm starting to do a lot of, uh, we have a group called Women on Wheels that I lead. And I do a lot of, um, like, we just put out a new website. So small things like that, that I think are really important for our shop. Awesome. And then, so this past weekend, you went and raced the Trans-Iowa. Was this the first year you did it or have you done it years before? Yeah, this is the fourth year I've done it. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then how did it go? Like just let's I guess let's go back a bit. So the previous 3 years, how did you do there? Sure. The um the first year that was the year after I had been delivering Jimmy John's for years, so I had first off no idea what I was doing, but I knew that I really liked riding a bike, so I mm-hmm. made it pretty far, but I got lost before the second checkpoint. Second year, I finished third year was the wind uh, the year of extreme wind <laughs> and I made it to the second checkpoint and stopped and then this year this was the first year I'd ever experienced something where or really any event where no one finished and it just got completely destroyed by the weather and then just can you kind of give us like a brief description of the weather I had I was down in Tennessee racing the Cahada 100, and uh, we we were getting rain for sure, but it looks like you guys were getting like, I mean, like a monsoon from the pictures that I saw. 
It was um, it was raining, but it just felt like the raindrops were bigger than normal, and it 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 felt like, you know, the rain wasn't uh, clearing off the roads. Guitar Ted told us there would be fresh gravel all the way to the first checkpoint in there. I would have appreciated that because it it would have <laughs> kept the roads a little more rideable. Instead, it felt like you're riding through a B road the whole time because there was just small rivers of water running through ruts of gravel dirt it was it was really strange i've never ridden through anything like that and i've been in iowa my whole life so and so how do you deal with that mentally when you're i mean was it raining the night before you guys obviously knew the weather was going to be like that right yeah it started raining and it would rain off and on it does that it does this uh, the iowa weather is always really fickle you can never really tell what it's going to do so it'll it'll pour as hard as it can and then it'll stop and then it just kind of depends on what it decides to do. You know, it could be raining where you are, and then a different section it won't be raining on different riders. But um, mentally, I just try to not think about the numbers, and I try to kind of avoid the logistics and just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had that down in Tennessee, too. Like, uh, we were warned by the promoters that severe weather was coming and you know there were there was a chance of tornadoes and lightning strikes and (laughs) I know that some people um drove down and just didn't start and it's all just kind of personal preference Mm -hmm. but with bad weather like I I guess that's one of the things you can't control so I, I always try to like you know prepare for it as well as I can but also just kind of like you know line up at the start line and we you never know with weather. Like we ended up getting really lucky after the first hour, the sun came out nice. and was there for the rest of the day. But uh, I kind of want to backtrack for a minute too, because now that I am thinking about it, you did another gravel race this uh, in the early spring. Wasn't that called the, was it the Land Run 100? Yep. The Land Run 100. I went down, um, I, this is the second year driven. It's a, you know, a 10 hour drive down to Oklahoma for uh, Land Run and um, District Bicycles puts it on. It's kind of like an event to drive to, but we showed up a day earlier and I went on a group ride and it was raining and I didn't think much of it because it seemed really dry and pretty dusty and then it kept raining and a couple hours later it was still raining (laughs) and we woke up the next day and it was, you know, beautiful and sunny and it's kind of like my spring break and we got out on the roads and uh, probably 10 or 15 miles in, you turned right, and then there was, it was like a someone had just laid down a thick layer of clay. Oh, man. And then, <clears throat> but you finished that one, and I think I recall seeing that you got lost in that race. I did get lost. Okay. I'm just wondering about this for Dirty Kansas Lake. Is, from, what I, from what I'm hearing, getting lost is kind of a regular thing. Do you use a Garmin? I do. um, But a lot of these events, so like things like Trans-Iowa, you don't have any maps to look at. You just have cue sheets. And that's kind of what I started with when I, um, when I started writing gravel, I didn't have a Garmin or really even a computer. I just kind of would write down my directions on a piece of paper. Uh Uh-huh. So that's kind of, um, that's also kind of a mental backup for me is having my cue sheets and knowing where they are or having them right in front of me is really great because 
At Landron, this was actually one of the first times I'd gotten completely lost, where I kept going and eventually got, I looped back around to the course. So I got to a point where I, I had already ridden, and there was someone on the corner and he was like, yeah, how did you get here? And I was like, um, I must be lost. And I just turned around. So Okay. <laughs> and I have to shut your brain off and um, get back on course. But getting off course, I also, I kind of let myself go. I, I wasn't thinking it was still kind of that same idea where I just had my brain, like, shut off and I just kept going. Mm-hmm. Where usually, you know, if I've gotten off course... You can kind of either, you can tell that you're off course or you just hopefully, I always take a, a second and stop and stand there and we'll read my cue sheets, but I didn't do that at Land Run because there was a, the course was technically marked. So I was trusting. Oh, got you. Yeah. To be honest, that's probably like my biggest concern about Dirty Kansas because when I race, I completely shut off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like to kind of just be in the zone the whole time and, you know, just riding within myself and I I think that's probably the biggest challenge with gravel races as you you can't really do that no um I'm trying to remember this will be the third year I've done dirty Kansas and last year they had I had a Garmin course they they had a GPS course that they put out that I used but okay but this year I think they won't have that until they either will have it or it won't be until um really recently because they're it's a new course or a different course so what can you kind of describe dirty kanza for everyone listening um like what about it makes it so great because anyone that i talk to who has done it is like you have to do this race you have to do this race so just kind of give us an overview of why it's become so popular um i think one of the things i really like about gravel racing in general is you show up to these uh events and you get there and you realize how small the towns are and that's especially with dirty kanza you get there and you're like this is uh emporia okay and so you get all settled in the town and you line up at the start and you leave town and then it's it's beautiful it's not like anything else i've ever seen and it's just such a a random place in, in america really that i think it's definitely worth it as far as just uh I guess, experiencing something that's typically not a destination at all. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, it's almost like I could compare it to Iowa, our ragbri. It's like okay. the ragbri of gravel in a way, but it's also um, it's alluring because of that. It's It seems very simple, but at the same time, it's, it's I would say, the hardest race I do all year. Harder okay. Why? It's a shorter distance, so 200 miles is one of the longer races you can pick. But it, in sometimes in your mind, it seems shorter because you know you have checkpoints, you have a very well organized event where it's it's you know extremely well run, so it's um, more accessible. Mm-hmm. But it gives you kind of that extra edge to push yourself a little harder. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can do the event also. Now, I think it's evolved into something where you can still do the event self-supported, like uh, how it began, but you can also now hire support, which is amazing. Right. And I think I think I read this year they're having uh, two checkpoints. In the past, I think there were three. So 
I think from what I read, there's like an aid station at like mile 70 and the one at like 140 or something. Okay. Does that sound correct? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> okay. That's so, correct. Go ahead. no, you go ahead. Keep going. I was going to say that just uh, changes it a little as far as logistics go, but it's still having set checkpoints and knowing where they are as far as mileage goes is is essential for <laughs> any gravel event, I think. Mhm. I agree. So what what what's your bike setup? Talk about that a little bit. Like what are you going to be running this year? I've heard that the the gravel in Kansas is not like the gravel in Michigan. <laughs> we have uh I guess our gravel roads are really like dirt roads, you know, hard packed and everything. So like kind of talk to us about the bike, what tires you're using, how you're going to approach the race. Sure. Um so the bike I'm riding this year is the Salsa Warbird, which um, for the first three years that I've ridden gravel, I've been on aggressive cross bikes, which is nice for, you know, going fast and for quick handling, but they're not comfortable. It's it's uncomfortable for me, even being someone who's younger, who, you know, I should be all flexible and able to do anything on a bike. But on the Warbird, it just fit me so much better right off the bat. So that's great for the longer distance. And then the tires that... I used last year, I'm using this year again, are Bontrager CXOs in the 38C size. So it's a really fast rolling tire, really minimal tread. It has a hard case light through it, so it helps because it's, this is kind of what I was getting at before with the race being harder is because the rocks there are, you know, it's the Flint Hills, so they're made out of sharp flint um, and they are good at slicing things, so it's nice to have that extra protection. Mm-hmm. There's also, the rocks are really big. I don't know what they do, but there's a lot of kind of low water crossings, which are, it's essentially, I mean, like a small, a mini creek. So there's some big rocks to kind of keep the water where they want it, but that makes it pretty difficult as far as um, navigating goes. So that's why I go with the bigger 38C tire instead of something skinnier because it gives me, first I can run lower pressures and then it gives me more confidence when I'm trying to, you know, kind of bomb through those big rocks. So many people have sent me messages where they're like, you know, actually concerned about me that I'm going to be (laughs) be racing Dirty Cans on a fat bike. And I have to admit, like, it did cross my mind at one point, but everyone was telling me, that you have to, you know, carry a lot of extra tubes with you. So I just pictured myself on a fat bike, like pulling a burly with like 10 pounds of like fat bike too. <laughs> so you are running a fat bike? No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> you see that? It'd be, it'd be a, less worrisome, but at the same time, yeah, a burly full of tubes wouldn't be very fun. <laughs> I, I figured I should do it once. Uh, before, you know, considering right, <laughs> racing a fat bike. Right. So what <laughs> what kind of gear do you like to use? Like, I mean, besides the bike, um, what are some of your favorite things to use for doing um, races that are either self-supported or, like, partially supported just to, you know, carry some of the essentials that you need? Yeah, um, as far as, as far the as things as for the bike, I use, um, I'll usually take at least two CO2s and a pump and then two tubes, so I don't need a whole trailer full, but enough that I'm already I'm already tubeless initially, so if I 
you know, if that gets ruined, then I still have backups there and I still can get, you know, just a little bit of air in this tubeless setup if it, if it burps or something. So that I think is, a, it's enough to keep me um, mentally secure as far as fixing flats goes. And then beyond flats, I have for me um, just like a, a master link for my chain and then just a multi-tool and a little bottle of lube and anything beyond that, like fixing spokes or, or anything like that is outside of my realm of comfort. Uh, so the bike is set for fixing things that way. And then for me on the bike, I like having a lot of those little revelate bags. Okay. Yeah. So I use a lot of, um, I have usually at least one feed bag and one gas tank from Revelate. Those are, last year at Dirty Kanza, I had my gas tank right in front of me, and if I hadn't been able to just reach down and shove a cliff bar in my mouth, I wouldn't have finished the last 15 miles. I would have been, you know, like laying on the ground trying to reach in my, my jersey pocket because I just it just wasn't going to happen. It just had to be right in front of my face, which is really great. Um, uh-huh. And then as far as... Clothing goes, I, being a lady, um, I do wear bib shorts, but the bib shorts I wear have a drop tail added in them. Um, okay. Or bike wear makes them, the ones I use. And mm-hmm. so instead of having to take all my clothes off to go to the bathroom, I can unzip them and, and actually, you know, not waste a lot of time completely dressing and undressing myself. And that is like, I save those shorts for those rides. Like I, I don't use them on training rides. They're like, you know, framed in my closet, this beautiful pair of shorts that, you know, it's another kind of a mental thing. I didn't waste 10 minutes just having to go to the bathroom. Right. That's I've, I've seen a lot of companies coming out with that. I just um, tested out, like I've never been a bit person just for that reason, because you know, like when you're doing endurance races, you don't want to have to like take off your jersey and then everything in your pockets falls out. It's just a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just tested out Segoys. I think they're called like their pit and peas or something. <laughs> they're bibs, but they they were awesome. Like for the first time, they were bibs that I thought I could actually uh, wear during a race because they just kind of like snap off in the front. Yeah. But they have this little like, chest strap so that when you pull your pants down really quickly the chest strap like doesn't like catches around your neck so that you don't like you know lose the pants entirely it it sounds really complicated but it was super easy yeah it makes it makes sense uh, for uh, I think for women I feel like we could have a whole entire episode about uh, clothing <laughs> yeah I agree 100 <laughs> percent does your what was that I was going to say it's important. It's something I definitely splurge on. The more endurance stuff I get into, it's very important. What are, what are, what's like your top five items that you couldn't do without? Uh, top five things. The saddle that's on my bike I've been using for the past four years. I have a specialized Ruby saddle that uh, I tried another one and it just a different saddle and I mm-hmm. couldn't do it. So that saddle is number one. Um, the bib shorts that I talked about, the Gore bib shorts, are um, definitely essential. Um, other things. I always have music with me because it helps when I need it, and it's always the same three albums that I listen to. So and what I mean, are those? What are they? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, uh, they are... So, first one is a band called The Flatliners. It's their... I can't remember which album it is right now. Uh, the Foo Fighters album, and then a Steve Aoki album. So, it goes from, like, rock music to Foo Fighters to just techno beats. So, by the time I'm to the techno, it's just like that that rhythm that I'm looking for. Okay. <laughs> is that three things? Yes. Yep. Next thing, I always have gum with me. That helps me a lot. The mint gum, it kind of helps. Uh, it's like refreshing because, you know, sometimes dirty Kansas, especially it'll be 90, 100 degrees out and it's it's pretty, pretty warm. <laughs> so that's nice mm-hmm. to have. And then probably the last thing. Man, I don't know. I would say food, definitely. I mean always something I always hide from myself or I try to hide from myself like a little Snickers bar in the bottom of my one of those feed bags Uh huh. and I always just try to have it in there so if I am in a situation where I need that extra little like emotional support from a candy bar it's it's there yeah I'd say that's kind of the last thing I, I do for myself Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love um, carrying chocolate. I mean, it's harder in the summer when it's completely melted, but <laughs> I always figure if I get, like, dead lost or something, at least, I, at least I'll live because I have, like, a Snickers or a Payday. <laughs> so that, that's another thing that I, uh, that I was going to ask about because that's one of um, – so, like, so with Dirty Cans, I heard about the rack, shredding tires, um, and then a, a lot of people have mentioned the heat, and I am – so not a heat person. Like I heard it can like, you know, easily get over a hundred degrees and there's no shade. Right. How, how, how do you deal with the heat personally? Personally, I, I also bring a camelback. So I always have, um, on the warbird now I can have three water bottles, which is really great. Cause I didn't have that before. So mm-hmm. I have those. And then I, I carry an extra 70 ounces of water on my back, which is nice. Um, and it also reminds me to drink because that hose is right by my face. Yeah. That's really important for me to remind myself because I oftentimes forget to drink water. So that's super important. Staying hydrated is number one. And then um, every the last two years at Dirty Kanza, I've gotten to a point where I want to say it's around like mile 150 or so. And there's always a tree that I stop at and I, I take a break. It's it's really important to realize that, you know, it's it took me, you know, 14 or 15 hours to finish. It's OK to stop for, you know, two to five minutes to just reassess yourself. Make sure you're not in a situation where something bad is going to happen as far as heat stroke or exhaustion or anything like that. You just have I just make sure that I'm still feeling the way I'm supposed to be feeling at that point, which isn't very good, but it's not the mm-hmm. other end, which would be really bad. Right. Yeah. What's the attrition rate for dirty Kansas? Um, I'm not entirely I've never, I'm, okay. I want to say something like 800 people started last year and like 300 finished or something, I guess. Wow. It seems like a third of the people finish you start. All right. Talking to you about it. <laughs> I don't know if you're like relieving my fears or just making me more scared. Oh, it's 
And that's the thing is, um, I guess you have to figure out what works for you. And I, I'm sure you do know what works for you. And it's a situation where it's kind of how it's, it's, this is how I feel about those, the hundred mile mountain bike races. Like I have no idea what to do, but yeah, no, no. And actually that's why I'm doing it. Like I have to admit after doing the Kahata 100, I had so much fun doing like like, it was definitely not my best race by any means, but the whole, like, 100-mile series, like, the um, new series, it's so much fun, and you get to know everyone. And I was like, this is just my comfort zone. Yeah. And I was like, why am I going to Kansas to do a 200-mile gravel road race that, you know, when I'm not used to doing that at all? And I could be doing the Mohican 100, which is the same weekend. Yeah. And then I was like, no, I should. I, I need to get out of my comfort zone. And the fact that I... You know, I mean, I know nutrition and I know how to pace myself, yes. but there's still unknowns in the gravel yeah. road scene and also like not, you know, having to, you know, figure out cue sheets and all that. That scares me. So I think it's good to get out of your comfort zone and be a little scared. It makes it more exciting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's still what excites me about gravel is the fact that, yeah, it is just a lot of pedaling and going in straight lines and making sure you turn at the right spots, but it's also... Um, challenging yourself and seeing, can I make it to that checkpoint before this time? Or like last year, it was, can you beat the sunset? And I did, and I totally impressed myself because that wasn't even a goal when I started. So mm -hmm. within, you know, the 200 miles of riding, it's definitely something where you, you, you know, everyone's like, oh, you learn about yourself and you learn about life, but it's more so in the moment you get to make decisions that, I think are pretty simple, you know, stopping and standing around eating a banana and checking yourself out for that five minutes when you're, when it's really sunny is something that I don't think many people do even like throughout their week while they're at work or just hanging out. It's something where, you know, take perspective on that, that time. And it's, it's a, a very long day. So, um, it's something I've been trying to explain to some of my friends who don't ride bikes at all, and uh -huh. and they, I've never really told them what I do on a bike <laughs> until recently, and I'm like, think about what you do within 14 hours of your day, and that's what I have to do on my bike, but also cover 200 miles. Like, like do I take time to enjoy myself? Sure. Then I'll turn my music on during my ride. I just try and keep it really simple, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to pull up. Uh, you had a great race last year, I think. Didn't you finish like third? I, I remember seeing your name up there. Fifth. Fifth. Okay. I was really uh, surprised about that. Well, that's that's a really good result. And uh, so, when you do these races, are you? Comp I mean, obviously you're competitive if you're racing. But I mean, do you do you enter these races just like yeah? I'm gonna like try to stay with the lead woman or do you kind of just like pace yourself? I mean, how do you, what's, what's your, do you have a game plan or are you more just like, I'm going to see what I can do? I think a little bit of both. Um, how I work as an athlete is I, I don't like being in front. I like following people. So I do remember last year seeing the lady who got, oh, I think she got third or fourth, I remember seeing her within the first 10 miles of the ride and being like, oh, I should follow her. And then I just didn't. 
And she ended up being the lady who I rode the entire Gravel Worlds with last year. So it's something where um, my comfort zone is being kind of by myself, not trying to hang on to other wheels, um, sticking to my personal game plan. But at the same time, I am I, I like to call myself awkwardly competitive. So I, I like to chase those women, but it's... it's uh, I, you can't see them. <laughs> They're probably right. 10 miles in front of me. But mm-hmm. I always kind of try and bank on that. Oh, I'm going to catch them eventually. But I think this year things are changing. I hired a coach, actually, for the first time in a long time. Uh-huh. And I think that's going to change how I approach the racing uh, physically, which is really exciting to me. Yeah. Um, who, who did you hire? Uh, they're called Sprinting Kittens. <laughs> They okay. they used to live in Iowa City and they um they do a lot of the uh, mental aspect of coaching so a lot of reflection a lot of a lot of what we're talking about now actually which is I think equally if not more important than the physical riding is making sure you know your your body and your brain and you know what you need to do especially for these long rides I uh, I have a coach, but I I often tell people that I think I need to hire a therapist as well. <laughs> just just <laughs> what was that? That's what they. That's uh, what I really like about them. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah, my coach always tells just because I get so like ridiculously nervous before a race, and my coach always tells me like. You're just wasting nervous energy. And it's true because I can get, you know, I often I'll feel like I pull up to the start line and like all of my adrenaline's just been wasted already. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, how do you train for a gravel road race? I mean, do you just, I mean, I guess when you live in Iowa, mm-hmm. you pretty much have like the, you know, a very similar course right out the back door. Is it just like, do you do long rides by yourself or? Are your coaches having you do intervals now? or? Yeah, a little bit of everything. So I'm really good at uh, the long rides by myself, which I still do a lot of. I do probably uh, the shortest ride by myself will be an hour and a half to two hours, and then the longest rides are probably around eight hours right now. And those are all by myself, unless I can convince someone to go with me, which is getting uh, more likely since it's not cold here anymore. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of group rides around Iowa City that I um, are much faster, and they're on road bikes, and I'm trying to do those because that's the uh, that's the aspect of cycling that I'm really really bad at. So I'm working on that, and that would be kind of the the next level for me being able to keep up with those faster women who have more experience, and and just kind of test myself on a weekly basis too with my riding, and it's it's checking in and seeing oh, maybe I stuck the group ride for an extra three miles or something, and that feels really great. It gives me just another angle to approach my riding. And granted, I don't do any road racing, but it's it's something where it's kind of a priceless kind of riding for me. It's I don't have to worry about it. It's just there for for me to get better. Did you did you ride with people a lot last year or the few years that you've done Kanza or does it kind of shake out to where you end up being by yourself? Um, I think it was about half and half. Half of it I was alone, half of it I was with people. And okay. It, it wasn't something um, people 
tend to make fun of me because I don't ride with people and I don't stick with people. And it's like, uh, you're like, well, wouldn't it be more beneficial for you to ride with that person? But it, you know, for me, if it doesn't feel comfortable or natural, then I'm not going to ride with them. And that's something, um, like at trans Iowa overnight year that I finished that I learned a lot. This was two years ago. Then I was riding with a lady on a single speed and she said, she kept saying to me, you can go on if you want. You can you can go if you want, if you want to go faster. And I was like, nope, I just want to stay at this pace. I'm perfectly content doing this. And so if you can find a person like that to ride with, it's it's kind of like a rare, like a, almost like a, a unicorn, like this person just came out of nowhere. And that uh-huh. has happened since, so. Yeah. I find it hit or miss too. Like uh, sometimes if I'm, you know, hurting a lot and someone's riding behind me and is super chipper and talking, mm-hmm. like I'm usually like, you can go on. <laughs> like, <laughs> or if they're asking me questions, but I'm breathing so hard. <laughs> like, I don't really want to talk. <laughs> I've been, I've been like a startled by people before. Cause I'm just in my own, I tend to get in my own head and, not talk. And I will tell people that if they, if they are riding with me, like next to me or near me and they start wanting to talk, I usually will say, you know, I'm not really going to talk much right now. I'm just kind of riding. And I, I I will say, I'll just say things to people, you know, it's something (laughs) appreciated. Someone at, at Trans Iowa this year on a fat bike who, you know, obviously he was more comfortable than all of us on the road because it was terrible to ride on. He rolled up pretty close to me. And I said, I was like, all I said was, I'm not really comfortable having you that close. Cause personally, I didn't want to run him off the road because I couldn't hold a line, but he's like, Oh yeah, I appreciate that. So that's the other thing about riding these gravel rides is, um, recognizing or endurance rides is recognizing that the people around you are all handling this very differently. Everyone, even though you're all at mile 80 or 180, you're all experiencing something I think that's very, you know, similar because of the context, but inside your head, it's all very different. So I always try and have a really um, high level of respect for anyone who's at that point in in a race and just kind of step back and stay in your own bubble, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that's why I try and not I try to not ride with people. I try and ride with myself. But if I'm with someone, it's really nice. So what comes after Dirty Kanza for you? I saw that you just got, like, the spearfish, which in my, like, I, I, from a purely unbiased point of view, it's probably, like, the best bike ever made. <laughs> Never had a with gears or suspension. It's going to, it's it's amazing. So my next race after Dirty Kanza is uh, Schwamigan 100. Oh, awesome. Which, um, this will be the third year doing that, but I haven't ever done the hundred. I've never okay. attempted it even. Well, actually I did attempt it on a tandem and that was a bad idea. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> I know salsa made one this year, but you would have to, uh, force me on it. (laughs) (laughs) Bribe me with lots of snacks and Snickers and whatever else. Yeah. I, uh, so when is the, the Shaquam again? Is that at the end of June? Yeah, it's uh, June 20th, I believe. Okay. 
I know it's, uh, I think it's the same weekend as Lumberjack. Like, one of these years, I want to go do that race. I heard it's phenomenal. Like, I heard the single track up there is phenomenal. I I really like it. I have really, uh, that's the other thing about mountain biking that I like, is I have no concept of uh, any of the trails in really anywhere. So it's, for me, I think everything's great right now. Okay. So. You are going to, you are going to love that spearfish. Like, it is amazing like 100 <laughs> percent yeah have you ridden it yet uh just around the shop it's not built yet but soon okay yeah you have to take it out to single track like this weekend and then post out like what you think of it <laughs> i will as soon as our, our trails aren't open yet but i'll get to it gotcha <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just became super bossy. <laughs> no, I need, so, <laughs> I need someone to drag me away from all my work and just make me ride a bike for for a day. Is uh, the bike shop that you're working at, is it big? Oh, yeah, we're pretty, um, as far as Iowa City goes, there are actually four bike shops, including us, within probably a three or four block radius of each other. <laughs> so okay. So we have... Um, we do a lot of uh, commuter bikes, and uh, we do a lot of salsa and fat bikes, and that's what our shop is really great at. But, and then is this, do you want to stay then probably in the bike industry? Like, Yeah, definitely. Is, yeah. That's I awesome. Whole, I did the whole school thing. I have my degree, and I got done with school, and I was like, I don't really want those jobs that you're supposed to get. I want to work more some, somewhere where I really like coming to work every day. It's really fun. Yeah. Nope. I agree. I started working for uh, Grand Rapids Bikes mm -hmm. uh, this past year, and it's been so much. I mean, how how can it not be fun when you're talking about bikes and you're, you know, getting more, like, ladies on bikes? And, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the process of starting a little kids team, and I'm so – excited to see like so many kids on bike. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. We we have that here in Iowa City. We have a a youth group and they have a lot of girls on bikes too, so we get to do that and take them out to the trails and it's fun because they don't even realize how excited we are about them being on bikes. Oh yeah. Yep, I've noticed that too. I think it's because like, you know, there's so much like lower to the ground too. Like they're <laughs> gravity works in their favor. So like even if they're not the most coordinated yet, they seem to just be able to, you know, nothing seems to phase them. <laughs> nope. So after Shaquamigan, then where where are you planning on going? Like any other races for the year? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about that Tatanka one hundred. Oh yeah. Um, a couple, I, I, this year my goal was to do 200 mile mountain bike races. So I have Schwamm again, and then I've signed up for a 12 hour race at, um, Wausau. Okay. So I have those two that are definitely nailed down. Um, I've also signed up for Gravel Worlds again. Um, I'm trying to figure out about doing Heck of the North again, which would be, this would be the third year I would do that race, which I think it's, it's up in Duluth, and it's usually later in the fall, like October, and it's amazing. The race director is someone who goes out of his way to find those roads where you're questioning whether or not you should be riding or, or crawling. So that's a great race. 
Is that like a out and back? Do you like a bike pack? Is that the one where you like spend the night or no? He added that this year. So yeah, there is something called the Hike Epic. Okay. And that is the what you just described. It's 100 miles out. You camp and you ride 100 miles back, which I think it's too close to Gravel World for me, but I'd have to figure out the dates. Okay. <laughs> my uh my husband was actually looking into that one and he uh he wanted to pull one of our dogs in a burley <laughs> behind him so that the dog could also go camping. And I was just thinking that wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> like maybe make the dog carry some stuff and run alongside. For- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I agree. <laughs> well, I I'll be at Wausau too, so we'll uh, we'll be at a few of the same races. And Wausau is probably one of my favorite races. I go back to it almost every year. Just the whole ambiance is really fun. The course is fun, and that's a great race for a twelve hour. Nice, great. I'm excited. I picked a good one. Yeah. Then. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I don't know. I think I'll be racing duo there, but Ben Ben from you know Ben Wellneck has been there a few years in a row too. It's really a good time. Yeah. Well, any other any other advice you want to give to anyone who's doing the Dirty Canva? I'd, I'd say just try and keep it as simple as possible. You know, the Garmin and the cue sheets and all of that is it gets really overwhelming. But I think, again, it's like figuring out what works for you. Make sure that you're planning for this. It's not something you can, you know, just go out and do the next day. It's I take a lot of time and a lot of sitting there and, and researching still, even though I'm, I'm, I learn something new at every single race I do. So mm-hmm. I think every single training ride you can do is it's beyond just the riding. It's what you can do like with your free time. And <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty important to make sure you know what you're getting into. Yep. I agree. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Of course. Thank you. Yeah, yep, I'm excited. And uh, like, I, are you pulling into Dirty Kansas on Thursday or Friday to Emporia? I don't know yet. Probably Friday. Okay, I, cool. I, I, I still don't have a car. I just have bikes, so I have to. Um, so you're going oh. to bike there. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Some last minute training. Well, yeah, I'll be on the lookout for you. I look forward to meeting you in person. You too. All right, well, thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for joining in for another episode of Girls and Gears. Used to walk around screaming, or slamming on them doors.